0: Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. It's a Christian festival referred to as the reign of Christ, or Christ the King. It usually falls on the last Sunday of the season of Pentecost at the end of the Christian year, and it celebrates Jesus as ruler of the church, ruler of the nations, ruler of the kings of the earth, Jesus, the name that is above every name, King of kings and Lord of lords. And in a time when the world so often seems to be spinning hopelessly out of control, this is good news indeed. Based on Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 1, verses 11 through 20, that's the subject of today's message, which is entitled, At the Center of It All. And it actually begins with another parable on the pond. Well, as I know, I shared with a lot of you, and as you might remember, back a couple of Sundays ago after church, I made a quick pilgrimage to northern Maine for what has become for me a bittersweet autumn ritual <clears throat> that of closing up camp for the winter. Actually, you know what? As it turned out, friends, <clears throat> excuse me, my two sons had done most of the hard work and the heavy lifting already. So thankfully, there really wasn't all that much I needed to do, but I'm still glad I made the trip. First of all, it's always a good thing to spend some time at the lake, even on these brisk days and frigid nights of November that just call out for a warming fire in the wood stove. And yes, what with another Maine winter swiftly approaching, at least for me, there's no small satisfaction in seeing that the cottage itself is buttoned up before the snow flies and before the lake freezes over. And something else too, even though I have spent some part of just about every year of my whole life in that particular place, let me tell you that it is a whole different experience to be up there right about now. I went up, as you know, Sunday night, after dark and got the camp warmed up and had a good night's sleep. And I actually awakened at daybreak the next morning. And to be honest with you, my plan was to stoke the fire, crawl back into bed and get a little more sleep. But (laughs) one look out the window convinced me that I needed to get dressed and go down to the shore and watch the sunrise. And that's what I did. And let me tell you folks, you never pass up a sunrise. It was beautiful. It was amazing, as it always was and is. But I also got to tell you, it's also, this time of year, stark. To begin with, thanks to that windstorm we all got a couple of days before that, there wasn't a single leaf left on a tree anywhere. And from what I could see, there wasn't a single boat left in the water All the docks, of course, were pulled up to shore in anticipation of winter. The campground that's kind of across the lake from us, completely empty of of any campers or tents or any activity whatsoever, and it was quiet. I mean, it was definitely quiet. There wasn't a breath of breeze in the air, first off. There were no chattering of squirrels overhead. There wasn't the sound of water lapping against rocks on the shoreline. There was even a small group of loons who were floating out in front of me, and they remained silent and still. I, as I said, I've been going to that camp for years, but I got to tell you, I've never really experienced such a morning on the pond. Now, you've got to understand, on the, in the summertime, our lake, even in the wee hours, is filled both with both the sounds of nature and the communal beginnings of a new and busy day. <clears throat> There's always going to be dogs barking and not just ours. <laughs> there are motorboats starting up, heading out for fishing down on the other end of the pond. There are children's voices laughing as they are jumping into the lake for an early morning swim. But this is November, and on this particular early morning, there was absolutely none of that. Rather, what there was could easily be compared to what scripture refers to often as a crushing, enveloping silence. So here I was watching the sun come up and I sat there for a very, very long while. And I just was taking it all in. And I have to tell you, as I was sitting there, I felt very, very small. I mean small in the sense of knowing that you are all alone there and you're surrounded by miles and miles of the stark and silent grandeur of creation that's slowly moving towards this winter hibernation. I mean small in the sense of being humbled by this reminder of just how incredibly tiny you really are. This little speck of dust in comparison to to this vastness of the earth and of the universe. Or for that matter, even tiny in relationship to God. And I also mean small in the sense of realizing that even as you are sitting there in your little spot amidst this crushing silence of a new morning, you are still nonetheless on a planet, on a world that is still spinning. In fact, it's spinning like crazy in a way that's ever-changing, ever-disorienting so often spinning so crazily, it seems like it's spinning helplessly out of control. Small. And you have to wonder, small as you are, if that's what's happening to your world, or for that matter, our world, or if yours and mine, you find yourself asking, what's at the center of it? And what is supposed to hold all of this together? I know, perhaps that was a bit much to consider in the midst of a beautiful sunrise on a cold November morning in Maine. Maybe I just needed a cup of coffee, I don't know. (laughs) Yet on the other hand, given the tumultuous way the world's been spinning these days, I don't think I would be wrong to assume that this is a question that many of uh, us are asking ourselves. What is at the center of it all? What is holding this all together? It was the Irish poet William Butler Yeats who upon witnessing the devastation that remained at the end of the First World War famously lamented that, quote, things fall apart and the center cannot hold. In other words, what Yeats was saying is that throughout history there have been times and circumstances in which it surely has seemed as though the world is falling apart right before our very eyes. And truthfully, for many people and in many ways, it was seemingly the end of the world. In times of war and Holocaust in times of deadly plague, economic depression, terrorism, political upheaval, and on and on it goes. Truly, there have been many moments across the centuries when even the most faithful among us have begun to feel very small and have wondered, however fleetingly, whatever was to become of them. By the same token, there are also times, if I might quote Craig Barnes here, who was writing recently in the Christian century, when you and I, he writes, are forced daily to defend ourselves against the demise of our personal worlds, when we're surrounded, for instance, by marriages that crumble, companies that downsize, and diseases that rob us of loved ones, and yet, ever and always, despite all of this, life has to go on, right? We do what has to be done. We get on with the business of life, and we keep trying to find the center of things, all in the hopes of keeping ourselves and our little world together. Yet, writes Barnes, despite our best efforts to be healthy, things still fall apart. Now, I don't say all of this to you today to, so that I can sound morose or, or to paint a bleak picture on such a beautiful Sunday morning as this is just to say, and I will quote Craig Barnes again here, that if we're paying attention, we've got to realize that the world as we know, it is always a thread away from unraveling. Okay, maybe that's a bit negative, but you know what I'm saying. There's a point that needs to be made here, friends. And it's that point is that because of this world's unraveling, however it takes place, because of our incredible smallness in the scheme of things, we are in need of a true center. Something, someone to hold all of it together. What we need is someone who can intervene in the world. Someone who can destroy the power of evil. We need a savior. And the good news today and always is that we do have a Savior in the person of Jesus Christ. The one whom Paul proclaims in our text this morning as the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, the one who himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. That is an incredible affirmation. You know, it's worth noting that this portion of Paul's letter to the Colossians was considered to be actually something of a hymn of praise, a, a confession of true faith. And in fact, it was addressed to a group of beleaguered Christians living in the area that is now modern-day Turkey. These Colossians were believers so despised, so persecuted for their Christian faith, that it took its toll, frankly. They had now had deep doubts as to the validity of their faith. And they had become uncertain of what truly was at the center of it all. I read, that piece, I heard Kay read it today, and I realize again, it's a testament to how much the world has always tended to spin out of control, and us along with it. In fact, historians tell us that at this point, it was now, had gotten that that the Colossians were gleaning onto anything and everything they could possibly find to make sense of their life and their living. And as a result, they found themselves pulled between the values of their faith and the values of their culture. And when you think about it, it's a conundrum we all know too well. I mean, today, there are many who seek to fill up the uncertainties of living with their own self-created notions of what is going to make that life meaningful. Some believe it's going to come about because of money. Some will... uh, believe that everything will be okay if you just have the power and prestige you've been sinking. Some, for some, it comes simply down to pleasure, the need to find acceptance, the need to find love. For some, it's simply a matter, I'm going to get my way. But the thing is, it all comes at a cost. As the Reverend Dr. Alan Grimm, a Presbyterian pastor and blogger out of Texas has written, Perhaps one of the most destructive myths to define our lives is this notion that it's my life and I will live it the way I want. And it's not, Brems hastens to add, that we shouldn't have the right to make choices for ourselves because certainly most of us do just that and should. It's just that when you take that notion to the extreme, it is a formula for life that pretty much undermines all chance of any kind of happiness. Because in the end, with apologies to Billy Joel, this attitude of, I don't care anymore, this is my life, go ahead with your own life and leave me alone. (laughs) It falls far short of what we know in faith is our true purpose in life which as Paul tells us in this passage, is that we be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we can live lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. You see, the true center of our lives is found as we learn more and more about how God is working now and always through our life and living. And the thing is, as we discover this movement in our lives, as we learn this truth, we also learn how to do our work, to live our lives. In the process, gaining strength that endures the unendurable and spills over into joy. That's from the message. You know, it's no accident, by the way, and I love this, is that in this particular text, Five times, in six verses, five times, Paul makes a point to the Colossians of saying that all things are held together in Jesus Christ. In him, he says, all things in heaven and earth are created. All things are created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things. Five times. Again and again, the refrain of a good and familiar and triumphant song. Paul is relentless about letting the Colossians know the central truth of faith, that nothing and no one will be left out of this realm of redemption. At the center of all things, you see, is Jesus Christ bringing peace to a fractured world through the blood of his cross. And it is this center, this center in Christ Jesus, that holds us together as a much-beloved creation. You know, actually, the most interesting part of spending that early morning down on the shore of the lake, watching that sunrise, is, yes, I really did come to feel very small but then as I thought about it, that's not the first time I felt small there. I felt very much the same way on more than one hot August night when I've been floating on that same lake beneath a magnific- magnificent canopy of stars during the Perseid meteor shower. I've had the same kind of experience in the middle of a thunderstorm when lightning flashes in every direction. I've had that feeling when I've listened to the wind howl in the distance. It's a big universe, beloved. That much is for certain, with all of its wonder and all of its danger and all of its utter uncertainty. And on those relatively rare moments, I actually manage to take notice of that. I always end up thinking the same thing. We really ought to count for nothing but just a little piece of cosmic schmutz, nothing more. And yet, and yet, even as this crazy world keeps on spinning day by day, year by year, age to age, here we are, you and me, each one of us who have been created in God's sights, each one of us uniquely formed and loved and nurtured as God's own. And even more than that, each one of us redeemed by the one who is this image of the invisible God, the one who is the firstborn of all creation. And that awareness even more than that of the sheer expanse of the universe itself is what fills me with joy at it's wonder, it's what gives me hope for a world that at times, even recently, has seemed to be within a thread of its unraveling. It's what gives me peace though, that the world can't provide nor can ever take away. It's what gives me faith and an infinitely loving Christ who not only loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, but who loves us all and is at the center of all things and holds it all together. This is our gift, something that Paul refers to as the inheritance of the saints in the light. And it's ours, it's yours, it's mine. For this, for everything that goes along with it, and for life and light and life, may our thanks be to God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, At the Center of It All. It was recorded during our November 17th service of worship at East Congregational Church. As always, if you're looking for a place to worship on a Sunday morning, we'd love to have you at East Church. We gather every Sunday at 10 o'clock in the morning at the church on 51 Mountain Road in beautiful Concord, New Hampshire. We are a welcoming congregation filled with spirit, joy, and love. And not only do I think you'll be glad you came, I'd welcome the opportunity to greet you in person. Well, that's it for this episode of Love to Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening. Keep in touch. And until next time, may God bless you with a great day. Talk to you soon.